Good morning, One Hope. What a privilege it is this morning to connect with you guys and to share our story with you guys. I want to say thank you to Paul for this privilege. You know, this is Missions Week, and missions is something that is very close to our heart since we are working cross-culturally in Indonesia. And so my prayer is this morning, um, as I'm sharing from my heart, that God will actually come and um, capture your heart, um, that you will hear His heart. Um, I'm standing here in front of a camera. It's not something I do naturally. I'm used to standing behind it. But you know, my, there's so much to tell about what God is doing in the nations. And sometimes it's good to hear what God is doing. It pulls us away from our own circumstances and giving us a bigger and a broader perspective of what God is doing in the nations and actually stirring faith in our hearts. So this morning, um, my prayer is that you will be captured, that the Holy Spirit will work within your heart, stir your heart and um, stir faith in your hearts. Uh, I promise you, my intention is to uh, um, break into your life, to, to bring the wonder of Jesus into your life, and to, even in where you are, to be able to say yes for Jesus in your daily life. Um, before we start, can we just open this morning with prayer and inviting the Holy Spirit into this space? So Jesus, um, I need you, my God. Jesus, we love you, my King. This is about you, my Lord. And I pray, Father, as I am telling your story, as you are building our story, may you capture people's hearts this morning, my God. May you transform us and may you invite us into the bigger story of what you are writing and telling in the nations, my God. And so come, Holy Spirit, will you anoint my speech and will you come with power and capture our hearts? I say thank you, Jesus. Amen. So as I am going on this journey with you, I have three things that I'm going to do to you today. I'm going to introduce ourselves. I'm going to tell, give you a background of what God is doing in our lives. And at the end, I'm going to close with a message, a, a short word that I feel that's stirring in my heart for this season. Um, so the first thing is I want to introduce ourselves. My name is François Pretorius. I originally coming from the Orange Free State. And um, when I was about 18, God moved me to South Africa, oh, to Cape Town, where I met my wife. And so, as I will, you'll see the picture that's in front of you in a moment. We are a family of four. It's myself, Ruleen, and next to uh, uh, Ruleen sits Josiah, and the other side of myself sits Rebecca. And we are basically, at this moment, empty nesters. We are back in South Africa to come and bring Rebecca back from uh, this, uh, Indonesia. She's finishing with grade 12, writing her exams, and as we are going back uh, in November, we will be totally empty nesters. We will go back alone. So we need your prayer in this season as we are releasing both of our kids. Josiah is um, in his third year, or is going in his third year, in Bethel and Reading in uh, the States. 
to do his internship and we are so filled with wonder in the journey that he is taking, stepping out for Jesus. To give background to ourselves, uh, we are working for the past seven years in the nation of Indonesia. We're living on the island of Bali. If you look on the map, it's a small island that's sitting in the middle smack next to Java. Indonesia is a massive island, as you see on the map. Uh, I think that I say there's something like 270 people groups on the whole uh, uh, nation itself. And the nation itself is consisting of about 17,000 islands, with about 60% of them, that's people that's living on them. And so a lot of times it feels like a vastness around us, but God have placed us within this nations to represent Him. And it's amazed what God is doing. As I said, if you look on the map, Indonesia is about from one end of Aceh, which is in your west, all the way to the east, that is Papua Guinea, almost 5,000 kilometers, and we are in the middle of it. Um, on the total eastern side, you have what we call the Papuan people, which are a, a Micronesian type of people, black skin, curly hair, shorter. Uh, if you have read books like uh, from Don Richardson, they are people that mostly live in the jungle and as hunter-gatherers. And as you move more east, the people becomes more and more Malay, where most of Indonesia is consisting of Malay people groups. Uh, the other thing that's very distinct of Indonesia is that Indonesia consists mostly, what I will say, out of Muslim people. But in between the Muslim people, you have an animistic people groups. You have, there's a lot of Christians that's living in Indonesia. There's islands that have been long served by missionaries that have seen amazing breakthrough coming into those islands. And so you will get Christian peoples, you get Buddhist peoples, and then, as you know, you must have heard of Bali. Bali is mostly consisting out of uh, Hindu people. There you will see a photo of a, a priest sitting, busy doing his uh, a, a ritual. It's actually the priest in my own village the day when we uh, um, come to live in our village. With the other photo, our landlords that is making sacrifices on our behalf as we as new people is moving into their house. So, as I said, we are living the past seven years in Indonesia. I will say it was, it's not a new event for us moving to Indonesia, but I was overwhelmed how ill-prepared we are for going to Indonesia. Um, our first three years was extremely difficult. But God have come, and I will talk later a bit about it, God came and actually met us in our desperateness as we were overwhelmed by the sense of Islam and the, in our own uh, island, the sense of Hinduism and occultic practices and Hinduism. God forced us to begin to seek His face. We've knocked on many doors along the way. Um, there's many churches actually on our island, but most of them are actually very afraid to engage the culture outside of their own walls. And so in the beginning, we are knocking on the one side on church doors to see if there can be partnerships the while we are sharing the gospel. 
but with little fruit, a lot of disappointment. Um, you know, that first year um, was almost totally dedicated to language learning. And oh boy, did I struggle. There were so many days I was walking from my class to my house and literally, I mean, I'm 50 years. And I'm breaking out in tears as I'm walking. I say, Jesus, I really need you to break into my life. I want to be a witness to these people. I want to share your story to these people. And I need your breakthrough. And it just didn't happen. It was a slow process. And in the midst of it, we didn't know, but God began to prepare us for a major breakthrough in our life. As you've heard many times, I think last time when I spoke to you guys, there was this major event that came to Indonesia where we brought a, a whole bunch of people to, to Indonesia. And God used that as a catalyst, both to break into Indonesia, but actually to break into us as a family. Because you know what? The thing I realize is we can only translate to the people that we are engaging what's actually happening in our own lives. Yes, we had all the tools. We've been trained in many stuff. But it's so much that Jesus actually wants to bring to a reality into our own lives. I will never forget my village name was Kubur, means grave. They were uh, preparing over 200 bodies for uh, cremation. We are overwhelmed with it. And in the midst of it, I sit with my kids. They are teenagers. And I'm trying to help them to make sense of everything that's going on around it. And I'm realizing Jesus is calling me to enter in myself. And the more I begin to enter in and finding Jesus, Jesus begins to bring revival to my own family. So looking forward, what was God doing in the last two years? We all have been arrested almost in a sense, been reset by this whole COVID pandemic, and it was very difficult. There's people that left my island, missionaries, and literally they were shaking under fear. And in the midst of it, we need to make sense of what was happening globally, but then in other sense, to speak courage and hope in our community. And you know what, God, have a, it's almost like I feel, find it humorous in a sense. God began to use my home to come and bring life to my own community. There's a picture where a whole people sitting around a table. This is our, our dining table. This is the place where I've spent most of the time in the last two years. So the thing that God used us is to father and mother people in this season so that they can step out of a place of fear and over, overwhelmed sense of of disillusionment because of what's happening culturally because of COVID-19 and find courage. So we had many, many, many conversations around this table in the last two years where we spoke courage into people's lives, where we prayed, where we tried to make sense of what's going on around us and in the midst of what's happening, how can we be salt and light in the midst of it? Here around this table, this is Rebecca's birthday, but many, many, many times. We had sessions of one-on-ones where we sit with people, where we have sessions where we coach people, where uh, um, we strategize, but most of the time, it was times where we just loved on people. 
Uh, I love that it, most of my finances in this last two years have translated literally in buying coffee. We drank many, many cups of coffee around this table and just trying to love on people and being Jesus to people. What happened in this also then, because of this disillusionment that kept happening, we begin to do, uh, give out food in this season, but then we also begin to engage people uh, with the gospel. And here's one of our team members, you will see, sitting on the grass and with a family in one of the villages in Indonesia. What's interesting is, in this sense of hopelessness, it was not community building or the food that we're bringing, but practically translating the power of the kingdom in people's lives. It's the touching people, praying for them, um, trusting that God will break in with His peace and His hope and His power within their lives. And suddenly, that sparked a spark within their lives, where they say, we want to know more of who this Jesus is. Uh, there's another photo of a, there's a couple, uh, it's actually friends of us that's connected with us, a ministry. That's what's happening also in Bali, is that God is beginning to bring ministries do, together, us with other guys that's intentional with people in Bali. And we begin to go on the same track. Our language begin, begin to become more similar. Our outcome in what we want to see happening in Bali became more similar. And we begin to lock hands building each other up, pulling resources together so that we can be more effective within Bali. And this uh, 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 group here with women that you're seeing here uh, is was all actually widows that were struggling. And this lady came in, one of our friends came in and began to speak life into it, began to start Bible studies, but also began to start like a small business with them to help them to survive this season that they are in. The next photo is a baptism. I'm sorry, as we're going through the photos, you will see many of the faces has been masked out. And I, I beg you to forgive me. But just for security reasons, because this is going online, I just want to protect people's identities. I'm not afraid of what God is doing. It is God breaking into people's hearts and, and capturing so last time, remember, I give you a short feedback of how God is breaking into this small community in Bali. And we've seen multiple people coming to Jesus. And the translation of that is multiple baptisms. And here's one of my team maps, our team leader, actually, his swimming pool, where it becomes a, a common sight weekends, where we see people come for baptisms after they have given their life to Jesus. So in the midst of this whole season, we, we're trying to make sense of it, trying to steward our team so they will have courage, our Indonesian friends, to have courage to step out and to engage people around them. God have begun to touch people around them and people have actually begun to give their lives to Jesus. And I want to say God is beginning to add to our community and it's such an amazing season to be in to begin to see actually fruit from our labor and our investment in Indonesia you know there's people I have friends that have been there 20 years 30 years 40 years and have actually seen 
little fruit. And to be part of a journey where God is beginning to, to write His story within this nation. And that we can walk away from it and say we have people. That we can stand before the throne of God. You know that sea in the Revelation uh, uh, 5 and 6. It talks about the sea of people that are standing before the throne of God. And we can say there is people that's going to stand before the throne. Because of the investment. Maybe some, not a lot of times us directly. But because we hold hands with our Indonesian friends. And we're seeing people born into the kingdom of God. The other thing I want to give you feedback about is, you know, as we are engaging culture around us, we begin to see the real need to begin to disciple and grow our Indonesian friends. I don't know how we've pulled this off, but we've started a discipleship school. Here you will see our, uh, the, the, it's about 20 young people. We've got a room with one of the churches in our community that have partnered with us with no strings attached and make this room available. And every Sunday evening we will come together and we bring in a guest speaker, local guys. This is done in the local dialect, Bahasa Indonesia, not in English. We, we built intentionally into our local guys, our guys that's more in team with us. And they're beginning to be equipped, be challenged, and sent out with assignments, practical stuff. So practical tool up, but also practical, uh, what we call obedient statements or obedient calls, where they go out and make sense of who Jesus is. Stirred, challenged their hearts, where they have believed maybe stuff, they fall in a rut, where we challenge them and they begin to see Jesus in a new light. And say, Jesus, we want to obey you. And then step out practically to connect with culture around them. And so last week was our graduation. And this week coming, actually, as you are hearing this message, they all are leaving for going on. We've split them up in two teams and they're going on outreach. One team will be in, in Java and one team will be in Bali where they're going to engage culture with the story of Jesus and with the power of the kingdom. You will hear me a lot of times, if you are with me, we are for the story, for the proclamation of the kingdom. But we live in a culture that is so overwhelmed. There's a thing that overwhelmed me. So overwhelmed with the occultic practices and demon worship and ancestral worship that we have to come with the kingdom with power. Because otherwise they will go to a witch doctor, what we call a dukun for that need, for that family member that needs healing, for, that, uh, for that, that answer, for breakthrough, whatever it is, maybe it's the exam, they literally will go to a witch doctor. And so we need to intercept them with the kingdom of Jesus and bring power of the kingdom to their lives where Jesus is the answer. The last thing I want to lift out from this season, it was an amazing joy, and we are in the process even now, is that we've used... Uh, um, the Alpha Courses um, marriage course to lead couples through the season as they engage. We have a lot of couples, you know, we are working cross-cultural, people falling in love with Jesus. And we're leading them in a process to prep them through Alpha's uh, marriage course for um, a marriage. And here's a photo with one of our disciples that 
I had the privilege to walk down the line. Her mom and dad is from a Muslim background. They don't want to be there. They basically have excommunicated her. And we had the privilege to stand in as a mom and dad. Wow, it was powerful. Um, I think in my season, if I must be honest with you, the COVID have done um, for us as a family a privilege, especially for me and Rulin. Our gifting for being a mom and dad have exploded in this season in a way that we love on people and uh, represent Jesus and stirring people up to love Jesus. You know, the day just before um, I came ba back to his, uh, South Africa, one of my teammates is an Indonesian young guy, 21 years. I'm sitting regularly with him, drinking coffee and sharing and praying with him and encouraging him. And as he's going out then to share the gospel, he came into my house to say goodbye. But he didn't come to talk or anything. He says, Francois, can I have a hug? And I grab me and he grabs me and he holds me. And he holds me. And he holds me. And suddenly he says, I'm, I got it, I'm strengthened. I have courage for this week. And I think most of the time, you know, it's Jesus that's doing work through them. And I am there to pick them up, to strengthen them so that they have courage. To on the one side to, to engage life, but on the other side to be obedient to Jesus. What a privilege. You know, as I'm stirring to you, or talking to you in this moment, the biggest thing that I'm learning in this season is that we need mothers and fathers. And it is not a thing about age. It's about us that's a little bit ahead of someone else in Jesus, having the courage to lift someone up, to speak words of encouragement, to maybe share a word of a, a, a prophetic word or a word of, of encouragement and lift people up so that they have courage to face life and to say yes to Jesus. Um, I will really want to invite you. Maybe Jesus is calling you to say yes today, tomorrow, to open your eyes. This is my prayer. That your eyes will be open so that you will take notice where is the Holy Spirit working and where can you lift people's heads up. So I want to shift here and I want to talk about my season in the last seven years. I spoke that when we came to Indonesia, it was difficult. You know, uh, there was, there was times that it felt for me I'm praying into a proverbial ceiling. There was times I could feel me that God don't hear my voice. Or sometimes it feels like I can't hear God's voice. It feels like a wall, a brick wall that's over my head. It sometimes even felt like that I need to be born again. I need a new awakening in my own uh, soul. You know, in the season with COVID, um, as I told you, this, I think we lost 80% of our workforce. People that have been 20 years in the field, that have left because of fear, have gone back home. Maybe they will come back. Most of them will come back. But I'm telling you, it is 
scary to say goodbye to people because they have no hope. They are disillusioned. There was days that the government in Indonesia proclaimed that COVID is because of, the reason there's COVID is because of foreigners, because I have a white skin. I will drive with my bike, my motorbike, you know, and I have a mask on, a helmet on, and I stop, I will never forget it, stop next to the traffic light. There's a guy in, a, in a, like a half thunder pickup, window open, singing, and he's happy. And the next moment he noticed me. The next moment he puts his mask on turning up his window and drive off. And I'm realizing he's freaking out because I'm stopping next to him. Or these days I'm walking on the street, people's putting their mask up as I'm approaching them, and I'm walking and I'm stepping on the other side of the road. How can I have courage in the midst of it? And I do feel COVID-19 is given for us as a gift in one sense, because there's a reset button. And Jesus wants us to find him. You know, with Josiah and Rebecca, there was a season in Bali where I can, as much as I can, translate Jesus to them. But there was a point where Josiah and Rebecca had to find Jesus for themselves. We are in COVID. We can't go to the church to get our weekly faith injection, our worship injection. It is now this season and it's still going on. We're going into this lock-in, lockdown where Jesus wants us to man up and to find him ourselves. And this is where I want to lead you. I want to stir you that when we finish here, you know what is going to happen? You can have the courage not only to find Jesus, but you can have find Jesus in such a way that you have the courage to engage culture like God have called us to engage culture in Indonesia. And it's very, very simple what I'm going to... This is going to be so elementary that I'm going to share with you. You're going to say, wait, Francois, this is impossible. But you know, a lot of times we know it, but we don't do it. And the big thing is Jesus is not a God that is far off. He's a God that wants to be near to us. And he's calling us to a relationship. But it means me and you need to set the time aside to connect with Jesus. So I want to read you a verse here in um, 2 Timothy 1, 6, verse 7 stands. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You know, this power, this, this is the first time I've, I've heard it. I'm, I'm talking about, I spoke it to myself. I'm a verbal processor, so a lot of stuff I discover, I've actually verbalized it myself. But you know, this whole thing of power, love, and a sound mind is to do with our spirit. God wants to give us power in our will. He wants to manifest love in our emotions, and He wants to align our mind with His thoughts. Our soul is made up of our will, our emotions, and our mind, what we're thinking. And God wants to break in with power through our spirit in such a way that He wants to empower our soul, that we will experience His love, 
that we will have the power to say yes for him and no for stuff, for sin, whatever it is. And he wants to align our minds with his thoughts. And this is where I want to take you. But before I want to take you, I want to illustrate a concept to you. You know, I come from a farm I, in a free state. Now we, are, we have an irrigation farm where we had that we sold it. And that irrigation farm is connected with a massive dam in a free state called Van der Kloof Dam. Um, massive dam. I think it's almost something like 60 kilometers uh, uh, um, in length. Here you see the photo. Massive wall over 100 meters high with all these uh, uh, powerful gates that's within this dam. And if you stand at this dam, you have on one side this, this quiet water that's on the dam wall on this one side. And you have this river. Many, many times I've stood within this river uh, fishing for yellow fish. I love fishing. You know, doing fly fishing for yellow fish. But it comes seasons when God comes and he pours out his rain. And he fills up this dam. And this dam walks over. And here's a photo of it. And you realize the power of this water. I will never forget one day we were standing, this is round uh, water gates, massive. I think two uh, big uh, sand lorries or trucks can park on top of each other inside of it. This huge, I think it's over six meters in di diameter. All four of them is flooded with water coming out. And the ground is shaking under me. My brother is standing next to me and I'm screaming and he can't hear me. And suddenly I'm overwhelmed with the power that's released underneath my feet. And suddenly I realize this is the power similar in even more of the kingdom of Jesus that wants to be released through our lives. We only know this calm water where we swim in, but God has so much more in our lives. So the question is, how can we unlock the power of this water in our own lives so that we can see the power of God's kingdom capturing our hearts so that we are people of power and courage that will engage culture around us. And here's a photo or a, or a, a, a schematic picture of how a dam looks like. A dam is basically you have your water on the one side, a, you have a generator that's in the middle, that's a powerhouse. Water comes in through the, 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 the uh, channel, runs through the blades of uh, this generator, and then it pumps out electricity for Joe Buck and wherever they need electricity. And I want to make a, 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 a declaration. The power, the place of power that you needed to unlock the power within your heart, the spirit that's dwelling within you, sits within your mouth. In uh, um, Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. James 3.5.6 says, And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think how a small flame can set a forest ablaze, and the tongue is a fire. It is most, the most dangerous part of our human body. You know, a lot of times when we hear these, both of these verses, we're thinking about criticism and all the negative stuff. Yes, it's true. 
We eat the fruits of our tongue. But here's the thing. Our tongue is the same mechanism that unlocks the kingdom of God and the power of the kingdom of God that will flood our lives and the people's lives around us. So here it goes. You know, when I was, and I'm going to be very practical with you, okay? There's no, I'm not going to go into big theological stuff here. I'm going to be very practical. When I was in Ketewa, my village name, as I said, was Kubur, which means grave. It was death. Death hanged over me. I was unprepared for the oppression proper. If you want to know that the spiritual realm is alive, you should have come to my village. We had to leave home just to find rest for our soul a lot of times, just because of the heaviness that's pressing down on us. So the first thing that's very key is praise and worship. In Psalm 104 stands, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. And so this is what I've done practically. I've locked myself into my bedroom and I got my favorite worship leader. And a lot of times I, I look for live sessions on YouTube or wherever. And I begin to worship and praise my lungs out. Not, not singing. There's not time for singing. This is time to engage the heavenlies. So I realize there's no church where I can go to. There's no one that can lay hands on me. I have to engage in the kingdom of Jesus. And I begin to worship like a desperate man. And I begin to worship. And here's the thing that I found. 15, 20, 30 minutes into my full-on engagement. My kids a lot of time laughed at me in the beginning. Suddenly, a shift begins to take place in my room. And the presence of God begins to move in. And I begin to break down. And God begins to move tangibly into my room. Praise is the most powerful weapon we have. We shift atmospheres with our praise. We literally, when Israel was many times at war, they will send the worshippers ahead of them. And the battles even won before they arrived there. This is strategic. But here's the other thing is, in this place where I felt locked in, in this place where I felt so low, in this place where I can't hear God's voice, suddenly I begin to engage Him face to face. And here's the thing of what's, what's happening is, you are beginning to capture it by His wonder. Suddenly, you're awakened that He is alive. And suddenly, courage and hope is released in your heart. Worship pulled me into the place so that I can begin to step into who Jesus is. Very powerful. Praise and worship unlocks the presence in Jesus. And I'm not talking only about praise and worship at the church. I'm talking about praise and worship where you are. And Jesus, I promise you, He will move in and He will engage you. The second thing is the reading of God's Word. You know, I'm going to be blunt with you. Most people don't read their Word. 
If you want to know why you're struggling, it's because, you know, I'm, there's a lot we can, we can talk about the reading of the Word. I'm talking about reading the Word to engage Jesus. I'm not talking about Bible study here. I'm talking about allowing the Word to wash you. Um, there's an organization in the States called Logos. They are the guys who bring out the uh, Logos Bible study. They've done a survey. There was a, a broad survey, and the thing that grabbed them was something that they were not looking for. And here's what I found. If you read your Bible 20, 30 minutes, one day a week, then there is no significance of any impact that it literally have in your week. If you read it twice a week, nothing. If you read it three times a week, there is a blip. If you read it four times a week, hear what's happening. Feeling loneliness drops 30%. Anger drops 32%. Bitterness in relationships drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Viewing pornography Viewing pornography dropping 61%. Listen to this. Having courage, sharing your faith, ups 200%. Discipling others, 230%. Just by engaging the Word of God four times a week. So what do, how do I'm doing it practically? Um... There's times I'm reading my Bible to, to know. But a lot of times I'm reading my Bible to allow the Holy Spirit to capture my heart. So what do I mean with it? I will read it or I will get a very good Bible app. I use, for example, the Word of Promise. It's a powerful app. Go and seek it. Look it on your, on your, um, your, your iStore or wherever. And I'm listening. And sometimes I will listen to two, three even four chapters in sitting. And I'm listening to it. But what I'm looking for, where is my attention grabbed in my hearing or the reading of the word? Where is emotion release? Where is wonder release? Where is that aha in that moment? A lot of times, a lot of stuff will just breeze by, but I'm looking, where is the Holy Spirit brief on in that moment? And then I will come back to it. And then I will ask a couple of questions. We're using this as modified from our discipleship sessions that we're doing with people. But I will ask questions. I will speak to the Holy Spirit. Very important. And you can journal this also. But you have to engage. Listen again. Your mouth is a secret. Engage Jesus with your words. I will ask. Jesus, is there any prayer that you want me to pray? Is there any praise that you want to me to give because of this? Is there any promise that you want me to claim in this moment? Jesus, is there any sin that you want me to confess? Is there any uh, uh, example that you want me to imitate? Is there any command that you want me this week to obey? I want to sit with the whole thing of sin that we confess. What's interesting over the season, the seven years, the closer I come personally towards Jesus, 
the more God's spotlight begins to fall upon my heart. Sometimes it's simple stuff, but I will be reminded about the event, a person, a thing that I'm doing. And I will tell you, I'm literally falling forward into Jesus through repentance and forgiveness. I, I can't remember a season in my life. I'm so desperate for Jesus that I'm falling. So Jesus, forgive me. That guy, I remember it. I ask you, forgive me. I come and I release him, Jesus. I pray that you'll be merciful towards me. Father, I repent of what I've done there. That was selfish, my God. The way I've treated my wife. I beg you, my God, forgive me. What's happening? The word is exposing my heart. Not in a bad way. It's because I want to fall into Jesus. I want the more of him in my life because I'm desperate for him. Here comes the next one. Very, very important. You know, we are good to sit with God. But it's very few of us that's talking to God. There's a guy from the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. He says, you walk in the Spirit as much as you talk with the Spirit. This is a thing that I've become. I will not call myself an expert, but I'm growing in this area. There's many, many mornings that I will not even open my Bible, but I will just talk with the Spirit. I remember my first six months in Ketewal or Kubur, the village. I felt nothing. I will sit in my bed and I will say, Holy Spirit, come. I'm going to wait for you until you come. And I wait. And I wait. And I wait and nothing happened. Tomorrow morning again. Come, Holy Spirit. Will you engage me? I'm desperate for you. And I'm wait. And I wait. I talk and I wait. Nothing happened. But here by six months, suddenly something happened. There's days that I am so captured. I was, there's like a, a hunger within me that wants to be with him. That I rush. I'm coming from town. I rush into my bedroom, locking the door behind me because I know he is waiting for me. And this became a driving force. I begin to fall in love with the Holy Spirit. I begin to fall in love with His presence. Guys, this is what we all are looking for. We don't need another good sermon. We need Jesus. We need Him to say it is okay. We need to say that He is there to strengthen us. We need to hear that magic words. My son, my daughter, I love you. That is what you are longing for. You are looking for a God that is real. And that engages you. He is not a thing or a force far off that you can't engage. He wants to come and engage you face to face. You know the Bible says, as we behold Him, it's Moses, as we behold Him, Face to face, we are changed. It's in that face to face encounters. And so Jesus is inviting you to the space. 
I'm running out of time, but I'm almost finished. The last one. And here's a difficult one. I know I can be controversial on this one. But God has given us an amazing gift. This is the primary gift that the Holy Spirit gives us. And it's a gift of speaking in tongues. Remember I told you in uh, 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 um, 2 Timothy 1, 6 where it stands, Therefore I remind you, stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit within you. Let's begin through the laying of hands. For God has given you a, not a spirit of fear. That's what we, we want to move away from. But of power, love and a sound mind. In 1 Corinthians 14, 4 stands, He who speaks in tongues edify himself. Here's the thing about praying in tongues. When you pray in tongues, you literally pray the things that's inside of your heart that you can't express with normal words. You literally bring that hidden stuff, that fears, that insecurity, the stuff that push you down, the, the, the heaviness, the stuff that you can't even name. Suddenly, the Spirit connects with your soul and with your inner man and lifts that up and lay it down before the throne of God. I don't know if you guys know about a lady called Jackie Pullinger. She's from Hong Kong. She has this amazing ministry where uh, uh, um, drug addicts, heroin addicts, comes for help. They place them in a room. And for three days, you pray. They have people assigned to that person. And all you're doing for four hours is praying over that person. And the number one requirement is, is that you pray in tongues. Why? It's practically. Within five minutes, you have no idea anymore what to pray. And suddenly, you switch over to praying in tongues. And you pray from your spirit. The Holy Spirit stirs your heart. Travelling begins to take place. You enter into the heart of God. And you bring praying for breakthrough. The number one reason why we don't see breakthrough is because we are not a praying people. My prayer is that God will awaken us to the power of prayer. Guys, your salvation, your victory, your deliverance, your awakening sits in your mouth. Jesus is inviting you to engage Him with your mouth. He wants you to be real with Him. To share with Him what you struggle with. What your dreams is. He wants to become your best friend. But He has given you also the tools to release the power of the kingdom of Jesus. So that you can see breakthrough coming. In closure, I want to go to John uh, uh, 15. You know, this is the last discourse where Jesus is talking with his disciples. He, couldn't, he could talk with them about anything. And I'm going to just lift out a couple of verses because I want you to know where I'm leading you. And this is my closing thought. In uh, uh, John 15 verse 7 stands, If you abide in me, 
and my words abide in you. Basically, if you spend time with your mouth building a relationship with me, abiding, and if you allow my word to abide in you, you so you, you subject yourself regularly under the word of God, listen to what it says, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. What's it meaning here? As I'm abiding in Jesus and His words abiding in me, I can begin to have His thoughts, begin to understand who I am in Jesus. And I'm getting closer and closer, face to face in Jesus. God's doing a work in my identity. And that proximity, that face to face encounters, establish my authority. I can ask, literally that word ask means, I can command anything and it will be done. You will have courage to lay your hand on the sick and they will be healed. You will have courage when someone demonically manifested. You have no tools, but the Holy Spirit will teach you in that moment and you will deliver that person. You will have the courage to take someone by the hand. You don't know anything. You don't have a theological degree. The only thing you have, Jesus. But you are able to disciple Him. And you have the courage to share the kingdom of Jesus with people that is lost just because of that coming to closer and they were abiding with Jesus. But then he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandment and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. This is a topic I, I, haven't, I will not touch it today, but I will say this. And on one side, God is calling us towards intimacy with Himself. And our authority is established in it. We all want authority. Authority is like the badge that a soldier or a policeman has on his shoulder. When he pulls out his hand in the middle of the road, the car stops. But God wants to give you power also. It's like the gun that He wants to put in your hand. In that moment, He wants to bring supernatural breakthrough using you. And it comes by loving people. And I'm not talking about be kind to people and stuff like that. I'm talking about stepping away from yourself and begin to love people intentionally into the kingdom. That moment you step into people's lives, God promised He will give you His Holy Spirit, a helper, so that you can move with power in that people's lives. Now listen to where I'm going with this. And then it says in verse 8 of uh, chapter uh, 15, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. That bear much fruit is not talking about the fruit of the Spirit into your life. Listen to the context before it. It talks about authority, it talks about asking, it talks about the Holy Spirit. This fruit he's talking about, it's Francis' imputation, but is that you will have a spiritual offspring. God is in the multiplication business. As you come in closer to Jesus, and as you give your life away intentionally to lostness and people that's broken around you, you will make disciples and you will multiply yourself. So here is my invitation.
COVID-19 is around us. We are in our fourth lockdown. This is reality. I, I dare to ask you, put down that PlayStation. Put down that TV remote. Put down whatever it is that distract you from Jesus. And bend yourself intentionally into Jesus because he's waiting for you. You know, in this seven years as we disciple people, the number one thing that we hear is people say they struggle to hear God's voice. And this is my opinion. God is speaking all the time. But the reason why we don't hear his voice, there is too many voices that's competing with his voice. God wants this moment for you to shut down. He said, Jesus, here I am. And may this become a priority in your life. May this become a new habit in your life. So what's happening in my life? Before it, I was struggling. I was born again. I've been discipled with the best tools to engage the nations. But it felt like hell broke loose over my life. And as I learned to step deeper into Jesus, simply by engaging Him, simply by using my mouth, and said, Jesus, I love you. I don't understand what's going on, but I'm going to choose you today. I'm going to stand on your promises. I'm going to repent about stuff that you're revealing me. God begins to break in. You know, here's the, the last thing. My son, Josiah, I've tried everything to lead him into a place where he can encounter Jesus himself. And we <laughs> clash head to head a lot of times. But the moment I begin to engage Jesus and God begins to bring an awakening to me, God begins to break into Josiah's life. Today, Josiah is not serving Jesus because of me. He's serving Jesus because Jesus is his God. A lot of times we struggle with the people around us. God says, take your eyes off from them. Come away. Come spend time with me. I am powerful enough to break in their lives. You come and you spend time with me. Thank you so much for this opportunity. May you have a wonderful week. And may Jesus meet you where you are.